It's time for me to annoy Ant with a hard stop. Oh, no. Fade out. That's just rude. Well, he added the fade out, so now it's even funnier for me when I do that. Touche. Touche. What's going on? How are you? How are you? Wow. I was just back there. I'm tired, but I'm good. WrestleMania week. 15 podcasts in seven days. Let's go. Excite uh, so, wrestling after that, then another week of podcasts, then New Japan. So I by mid-April tell you what I'm not gonna do. Watch a wrestling match on a weekend. <laughs> I mean that's just a blatant lie, but if you want to tell yourself that, that's fine. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's also good because there's a lot of good wrestling going on. So I'm excited. That's that's fair. Yeah, we get Supercard. There's some good stuff on Mania that I'm looking forward to. Some not so good stuff on Mania, but it's all right. It's all good. I get to talk about wrestling almost every night. Life's all right. I can't help it. I'm a sucker for Mania being Mania. Yeah, it's kind of like Rumble where I'm just like, but it's Mania. Even if if the build has been bad, like it's still Mania. What else is going on? Supercard. And I'm excited for Supercard. I'm super excited for Supercard. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, ROH is back with a vengeance, and I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Brendan Haney's excited for uh, Bloodsport. That's right. I, it's Who's Mox facing? It's Mox is someone, right? Uh, Alex Coughlin. Oh, God. At least that was Mox what he said on Renee's. Before. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said on Renee's uh, podcast. I'm assuming it's true. Well, he would know. He would know. So. Yeah. You'd hope. But I, yeah, it's true. That's true. What else is going on? Living the dream? I'll live in the dream. Used to read, read Word Up magazine. Um, what is I your apologize in my today? voice. Oh, it's very, I did it on purpose. And I think people will understand. <laughs> very nice. Boom, shakalaka. Listen, it's all about the boom. Adam Cole, baby. Uh, I apologize if my voice is in and out. I talked nonstop today. So, oh my gosh, that's my gimmick. What were you talking about? Work. Work stuff. I was boo. at some like work convention thing. So literally from basically eight a.m. to six thirty, I didn't stop talking. Ugh. Were you presenting? Uh, people stopped by to talk to us. So, God. Be- 
the same conversation a thousand times. My God, that's so much like, it's so much energy output too. It's so much like being on. Oh, it's, I, I understand that I make a lot of jokes on this podcast. So clearly my serious level of this podcast is low, but it is <laughs> take doing a podcast and amplify it by a million because you, it's one thing when you're just representing yourself or silly wrestling. It's another one you got to represent like, oh yeah, this is really paying my bills. So if I screw up. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, yeah, that, that gets tiring. That gets tiring. Marky Mark Kayfabe saying, work sucks. I know. It's true. Well, she Nobody... left me roses by the stairs. Did Surprises she? lets me know she cares. What Say a gem. So. I, I will not go turn the lights on. Your Carry favorite me pop punk. Home. Uh, uh. <laughs> pop punk sucks. Kate loves <laughs> pop punk, everyone. I love music where you're like immediately my whole idea is to write from two genres that already exist. Like, let me just make sure my starting point is being super manufactured, well, but we're I mean, not here to talk about how pop. Hold on. Sucks. We're, we're we going to get quick, but I just want to establish that rock exists and roll exists. And then you have rock and roll. Right. But those are two things you're doing, not two genres. I roll music is not a genre. I would argue it is. What how does how does roll music sound? That was not it's not just constant drum rolls. That's not a genre. Ryan Drumline told me it was. Ryan SJ McDonald in the chat. Hi, we got some new new people in the chat. Hi, SJ yeah, McDonald. What a show tonight indeed. Dynamite was strong, man. They're they're back in their groove. I'm excited to talk about it tonight. But mm -hmm. is that SJ a flavor is, water? Uh, it's propel. It's propel. Is it a it's zero proper. calorie water? Finally, finally a is zero it? calorie water. I mean, I just I just like flavor, but I just want to say SJ McDonald's active in Shining Wizards Discord. Where if you want to join, please join. There's lots of us active in there. I suck. I need to get back in the Discord. Yeah, Kate's the, not, but the rest of them. I know. I mean, I'm not you know what I keep doing? I so badly need to get back to DDP. I'm like, I'm going to get back to DPT, and I'm going to be accountable in the Discord. But I keep not doing my GDP yoga. <laughs> so then you don't want to go near the Discord because you can't be. I know, but I'm such a punk ass. It's not like anybody's going to shame me for it, but. Oh, I will. <sighs> yeah, but you. Clearly. You clearly, I'm going to shame you. Obvi. Obvi. Ah. <sighs> Ryan. So what do we start with here? What, what, how does this show work? Without and so I guess we should establish tonight is just the Kate and Ryan show. It is. I don't uh, think we have a cute little duo name like no, like Aunt has for us all the time. Aunt and I are the two live crew. Um, I, We're I, just I Ryan and Kate. I'm, yeah, that's okay though. Yeah, we Kate don't do it. Long, we, I don't want to put it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a. It's on the internet, it's just not you, and it's a totally different video. Yeah, we don't we don't need that. We don't need that out there. But uh, <laughs> Rob Humphrey saying that access show sucks. I did, if people are watching it, let me know. But I saw, like, the first 10 minutes before we got on here, and I was like, it's just, like, Brett, like, shooting on Thunder Rosa, kind of, or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so corny. But, all right. It, it, to me, it reminds me of Total Divas. And that's not enough. Whether, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I don't care. If they go oh, into yeah. Bremon, it'll be worth it. Bremon! Why did I lose my shoes? She's great. 
I love a drunk Brie Bella is a hoot. Uh hoot. But you know what? This is gonna be an all elite express show a little bit because it's just you and me. You are at work all day. I'm talking about a million <laughs> different wrestling shows today. So we're not gonna waste any time. We're gonna get right into it. We're gonna start with Rampage. We don't even have the commercial block queued up. So we're just going to dive into Rampage, and then I'm just going to say some shows that I can remember off the top of my head on the Shining Wizards Network. I'll tell you all how to get stickers, and that's how it's going to run tonight. <laughs> but Rampage was a Saturday show. It did not do great in the Saturday slot, but to be expected, to be expected. No, I didn't even see what the ratings were. What were the ratings? I don't remember the number. I just saw the the headlines of, like, went down in, in the demo and overall or whatever but they i i don't think they were like oh what a bummer we really thought our saturday wrestling show was gonna be hot hot numbers hot ratings we we'll really thought this it. awkwardly timed saturday show would do great yeah i just uh i love it when they do like four o'clock on a friday that's that's my ideal you got rescheduled rampage time but we did get some good matches in here we got hobbs versus penta which I was kind of waiting to go into another gear. Um, but Hobbs is the champ. He's rocking and rolling. It's kind of sprung out of QTV. What did you think of Hobbs and Penta? Or did you not watch it? Did you not watch it because it was on a Saturday? I don't blame you. I, I saw it late. I was I was I had a very busy Saturday, but I, I did catch it. Um I think Hobbs is doing great work. So I was very excited for this match. I think Penta Penta is weird because he, he can wrestle very similar to his brother, but he has a, I don't know if it's a more physical or slightly angrier style. And I think it worked really well with Hobbs. I, I I'm, this has made me feel really good about Hobbs uh TNT run so far. What, what I've wanted from the TNT run is just basically open challenge, just good match after good match. I think we're two for two. So I'm going to take it. I feel as though we deserve a cheese plate to be talking about this, like QT Marshall on QTV. So I'm kind of upset. Talk to me, Kate. I got to hold this like I'm holding it. Because <laughs> the, the blonde girl always has like her, her feather pen or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, good stuff here. I kind of wish it, it, I felt like because Penta's a little bit more physical than a Ray Phoenix, like, I was kind of waiting for it to get like a little bit. I, I don't know. I felt like it could have kicked into another gear, but it certainly wasn't bad. It was a, it was a very solid match, but was just thought that it might be like a holy crap match. But then we got Hager versus Brody King, which went I think the way you kind of would expect. I don't know, man. Hat aside, Jake Hager doesn't really do a lot for me, but this was. This was fine. Brody King is the best. So I got to see him on my TV. Any thoughts? I'm glad, I'm I'm happy they I'm glad that they gave Brody King the win. Sometimes I get worried with that. Like even though he's part of the trio championship, sometimes I get worried that they'll pull something like that. And to give him the solid win. I know Hager's not your your cup of tea and the match was what it was, but I'm just glad he got the win. Yeah, I think Hager's mostly there to eat losses at this point. Um, and it seems like the JAS might be headed the way of either breaking up or at least splintering a little bit in, in the near future. But then we got 
Layla Gray versus Taya Valkyrie, who of course won, um, you know, with with the same move as the the quote unquote jaded, which she's been doing for years on her own as a finisher. Uh, I I'm glad this match happened. I'm glad it happened the way it did. I just don't like that her first two matches, after feeling like such a big deal in the Canada show with her debut have been rescheduled rampages. Like that doesn't feel like a great way to bring somebody into me, but this went the way it should have. And I like the story that they're building and Jay desperately needed a story. Any thoughts on this for you? Jaded. No, I mean, I love the Jade is so mad that she quote unquote stole her finisher because that is such an arrogant heel thing, dude, to, to be like, I'm going to ignore that you've been doing this for years and claim it as mine. Um, uh, I have no real comment. The match was what it was. Like you said, I, I kind of, I get what you're saying. You know, two rescheduled rampages. Uh, at the same point, this is kind of the flaw of the Jade story. They've all, they've become secondary at the very secondary because they even, it, it would take Taya winning for that to change. But right now, because Jade stories have been so predictable, they're so secondary. You can't waste dynamite time with them. Yeah. And, and this is, um, Especially for like she's she ain't Layla Gray here, right? That's just gonna be a squash. So makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. And then we closed Rampage with the acclaimed versus the kingdom. I can't wait to talk about the acclaimed and what we saw on Dynamite later tonight, but this was a perfectly good match. I like that the kingdom are getting time on Rampage because I think they're gonna be spending a lot of time in ROH. Um, but it's nice to get them that exposure here. They're a solid team that can very easily float. And, uh, this, this, I felt like Rampage just kind of is a rampage. It's like, not a lot happens. It moves along. We get really high quality matches for the most part. Usually at least one squash, usually Serpentico dies at some point in the episode. Um, and then we, we move on. So this kind of felt like a standard rampage in, in that with a somewhat standard main event. But any thoughts here? Uh, I love Maria. The best. Her reaction, her reaction to the rap was, to me, just funny. I don't know why. She like, <laughs> kind of flicked her toad at them, and I really laughed. Her being chased out, like, because you like it always like, makes me laugh when, like, faces chase out someone like that. Like, like Top Flight wasn't going to do anything. Everyone in the room right. yeah. wasn't gonna do anything, <laughs> but she's still running away. Like that's what makes me laugh. But no, the the kingdom of Top Flight's awesome. I'm not top. Well, yeah, Top Flight's the acclaimed are awesome. They're clearly still at the top level. Um, top of the chain, if you would. Yes, exactly. And the kingdom are great. Uh, I kind of want them more focused on ROH, but I'm okay with using them in AEW too for right now. They're they're very they're a really good tag team. Mike Bennett is amazing. So uh I'm all about using that team. So I, I you're right. Rampage, I know people get upset because I think they want more out of Rampage. And I'm not gonna say I wouldn't love a a better Rampage, especially the, the live ones are usually great. But you also just have to appreciate what Rampage is. Yeah, I think it's a catch of 22 of like, they don't want to put great stuff on there because the ratings aren't very good, but you're not going to pop the ratings by doing the same nonsense every week, right? Like, so it's a it's a little bit of both. It would be nice if they put like one or two storylines of consequence and, and broke out of their formula a little bit, but I don't generally have complaints about it. I just wish it was in a different time slot. 
but wrestling TV is as tough right now. It's oversaturated. There's not a lot of places you can put a show like that um, unless you want to compete with SmackDown or compete with something else. I always thought it would have made sense to move to Thursdays, but now you've just put ROH there. So I'm not sure what the answer is. It just seems like starting at 10 o'clock on a Friday is a, a, a ratings killer of a slot for sure. Yeah, I mean, I will say, it. I think also some of it will depend what the thought is on this rumored, very, very just much of a rumor, extra hour they might get at some point, because then you might be able to get more live rampages out of that, because you could just double up on taping. Because you can't have two, you can't have a rampage caliber show Friday and Saturday. One of them has to be better. Right, well, and we'll see what that Saturday show is, you know? It's- well, that's... That's what I'm saying. It's very dependent on what a rumor the rumor is. Yeah, if it's, if it's um, you know, they could just do an entire trio show if they wanted to or something. Like, there's so yeah. many ways you could do it. A lot of people are saying like an all women show, which I don't love the idea of, um, because it relegated to an hour on a Saturday feels wrong. So, so we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. But rampage is rampage for now. Decent in ring per use. There wasn't going to be anything groundbreaking on a, a Saturday rampage, especially, but good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I thought for ROH, we can preview the super card card, super, super card card, instead of go really through last week's because it feels like that's so far in the rear view and we've got so much coming up and they're all kind of linked to each other. So we can talk about one while we preview the other but we'll switch into roh mode which is my favorite mode to be in we've got the lucha brothers versus top flight versus the kingdom versus aussie open versus la faction ingobernables in the reach for the sky ladder match for the vacant roh tag titles we also learned uh we can talk about this in news and notes a little bit but that they are going to be retiring those those old titles that's gonna go with mark and jay um, which I, I think is definitely the right call. They should absolutely usher in new titles and let the 13-time champs be the last ones to have held those belts. But for this Reach for the Sky ladder match, I really think there's a couple ways they could go. My thinking is it's going to be top flight. Um, I just like the idea of it being another set of brothers. I don't think the Lucha Brothers are the call there. I think you want kind of the young and growing team to to hold those and have a a nice little run with them but could go a few ways could go a few ways you could put it on the kingdom and have people chase any thoughts on the reach for the sky boy ladder match i think it comes down to something i heard on roh last week and my entire prediction is based on one line thrown out there by uh ian riccaboni where he said aussie open looks to be a team a force in the the roh tag division making it seem like they're sticking around in the ROH tag division. And if they're sticking around in the ROH tag division, they win. If they're sticking around in the ROH tag division, very possible they win. I I feel like if Aussie Open's staying in the States, they're probably on AEW. That just feels like um, the right call there if ROH is going to be treated like a pseudo-developmental. Um, I just think with where the tag division in AEW was at, it got kind of depleted when they opened the trios division. I think you saw that in the four pack that the guns just defended in 
And I think you want to run FTR and Aussie Open at some point. However, that being said, like these were all pre-taped, right? We, I, that's my other thing with what Ian said is I don't know if they know who's in what divisions at the point that they're taping this or not. So, or even if their contracts were up with New Japan at that point. So we'll see. I think if Aussie Open is sticking around, having them as winners would, wouldn't be a bad call. Adding a third to make them a trio is not a bad call, but uh, I don't know. It just feels to me like the new one should go to a pair of brothers. It, it feels right. And I feel like the Lucha Bros are probably not that tag team. I'm wondering if FTR jumps in this ladder match last minute just for um, the the sake of, of what that would mean. But then it almost feels like they should win. So it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they throw them in with their big match coming ahead of uh, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah that's a good it, point. That's a good point. That, Leslie wanted to do the build back up. That could be really fun if they just started winning a bunch of belts again. But it, I think it would feel weird to have them in it and have them lose. So maybe not yet. But I'm sure they'll challenge at some point. That just feels like too obvious of a thing there. But good stuff there. This is an interesting one because we don't know what's going on with Brian Cage's contract. I don't know if they know what's going on with Brian Cage's contract, but the Embassy versus AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik for the six-man titles in ROH. Um, I feel like it should stay on the Embassy because this other trio just got thrown together. It was kind of like they rented AR Fox for, for this. They were like, hey, I know you were just in a trio with Top Flight, but hang out over here with us. Uh, so I, it feels like it should stay on the embassy, but I, we don't know what's going on with Brian Cage. I think, yeah, I mean, even if we'll figure it out real quick, won't we? (laughs) We will figure it out real quick. We will figure it out real quick. I also think, you know, he's agreed to work through the tapings. They could have them win. And if they don't come to terms, they could drop it on, on regular ROH TV, uh, or streaming as it were, not really TV, but I'm going to go with the embassy here just because it, if, Feels like that's the move, but who the hell knows? What do you think? I think, it, it, like you said, I get I get stumped because if 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 Brian Cage, if tomorrow Sean or Cass, if I was saying, but someone reported Brian Cage is either signed or not signed. If he's signed, I'm having the embassy win the whole, no matter what. If he just, if he's not signed, clearly it's got to go the other way. Um, so that's the weird hang up here. But I'll stick in my wrestling world mind for a second. Try not to read too behind the scenes and just say that I think it's the embassy. I think they're the more established team. They're the more dominant looking team. I love the team of Blake Christian, Metal League, and AR Fox, but they're just not. I mean, like you said, it seemed like they're renting AR Fox. So it just doesn't seem like the team to do it. Now, what's interesting is a little tweety tweet by a Shane Taylor. Where he said he be he'll be watching this match closely. Now, of course, you have one of his former guys in the match, but otherwise, bring back some 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 Shane Taylor promotions in that six man division where they dominated. It does feel like it it could be a little janky, but you could keep it on the embassy, and then if Brian Cage splits, you just do like a some sort of beatdown angle. You break up the trio, but I don't love that idea. I don't like what that does for Prince Nana either. Who? deserves the world quite frankly but you, you know could what i say to that it. idea kate you know what i say to that idea nah 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 i wanna 
I was trying to think of something clever to put in there with Prince Nana. Nailed it. Sorry. That should be their theme. I mean, my chemical romance, they can do it. Uh, I was Some pop punk. I don't you. even I don't even know who did that. I wanna make love na 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 na. Yeah, I don't know. I was going with my chemical na, romance. Na, 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 na. Surprisingly, I was not. Shocker. Uh the ROH TV title, Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe. Another one that I feel like could go either way, but out of gut instinct, I feel like Samoa Joe retains. I don't know why. You could very easily go with the feel-good moment there. Um I, I just feel like Samoa Joe is not done with this, and I think you want him sticking around ROH. But, I mean, Mark Briscoe holding a title in ROH again, also a really appetizing option. What are your thoughts? This is a tough one, because like you said, Samoa Joe's story, I think, in ROH right now is not finished, and he works so well as that champion. Of course, you could put him back up on AEW, and he kills it right away. Uh but Mark Briscoe holding that belt, winning that belt that he could never win after all that's happened. That's an emotional moment that I don't think most people will be prepared for, even if they are told it's going to happen. So I have to go Mark Briscoe just because I, I can't sure. think that moment. Like, I, I don't think Tony's going to go and say, let's not give this moment. Let's not have this, you know, him win one for his brother or whatever. Like, because that's what's going to be about. So it's, and his story tough, going but... into it is that it's his destiny. So they very well could go that way. Very well yeah. could go that way. You could also have a thing, and we'll talk about it in the main picture, but you could have Eddie Kingston go over and Samoa Joe challenge Eddie Kingston. I would be there for that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki for the ROH women's title. This is something that you would be more familiar with because they've been building things up on Dark, but I feel like Athena is in such a groove with this title right now. I don't think she drops this early. If she was going to drop early, I think it's to Willow, but she's doing so much on the AEW women's main roster that I don't think that was the move either. My guess is Trisha Dore does this somewhere down the line is the, the one to dethrone her with how she's been featured so far, but I expect this to be a really, really strong match, but I think Athena retains. Dina has been killing it. Uh, I'm so glad that now that ROH is back and, and she's able to show have a weekly storyline thing because her work on Dark and Elevation has been incredible. She 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 has fully developed a character with very little promo time just by her actions and personality in her matches. Uh, first, she has to get through Emmy, right? Isn't Emmy Thursday? Uh, yes, tomorrow. So she has to get through Emmy soccer. Do not, do not discount the queen. Okay, but they've announced the card, so I'm guessing that's a non-title match. <laughs> oh, damn it. I thought it was a title match, but... Uh, it might be. They announced open challengers, and we already knew who won them just because the yeah, nature I of, we all, of I what mean, I think they're. I think they're aware that they know people. Know yeah, them. it's... it's the this is going to be a fun match. Tapes. I think it's Athena. I think they have to reward Thena for the amazing work she's been doing. Her story's been great. Yuka's actually been a really good character in this, though. She's had some funny moments where she, like, just appears behind Athena and goes, hey, and then hits her. And I'm really all about that. Um, and since, you know, she's so lovable, it's kind of been a nice foil to Athena, who's 
doing everything she can to be hated. I think she's been doing such a great job with that too. Like all the ref getting in the face of the ref after matches and stuff. It's been her strongest work that I've, I've seen in a really long time. So that makes me very happy. Uh, Wheeler Yuta versus Shibata for the pure title. I mean, I think Wheeler retains here, but my God, like it's 2023 and Shibata is fighting Wheeler Yuta in a pure rules match at ROH. Like that is just wild. I've loved the story with Wheeler. If you haven't been watching ROH, he fought Clark Connors and then said, I don't want to fight the students of the LA Dojo. I want to fight the teacher of the LA Dojo and called out Shibata. Really, really special um, way to set this up, even though I think this is probably a little more predictable. I don't think Shibata's walking out of there. You're pure champion. Some of my favorite work Wheeler Yuta has done as well using pure rules as a way to cheat is just so fun. Like the idea that there are more rules than your typical match and you find ways to cheat around them. is just a really fun device as a heel, but I'm very much looking forward to this match. I think this will be one of the best matches of the weekend just for what it means to professional wrestling. Uh, I think this is like, you. Uh, I mean, you said it best. I think obviously the outcome on this one seems pretty cut and dry. Should be Yuta. I don't think Shibata's sticking around ROH, so it doesn't make sense to have him win. This is more just how awesome the match is going to be, and just seeing Shibata show up in in ROH. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't have much more to add than what you said, just because you said it right. I'm just very much looking forward to it. And I think Yuta's been killing it since turning heel. This has been his best stuff. And just the whole line of uh, I'm sick of facing the students. I want to face the teacher. That's like, oh, okay. So good. so good. I feel like, not that anybody I feel like is outstandingly uncomfortable in AEW, but everybody has looked so comfortable at these ROH shapings. I don't know if it's because you sign up for nine hours of wrestling. So you're not like all keyed up for your one match and then whatever, like, but everybody promo-wise, everybody in-ring-wise just has looked like so loose and comfortable at these tapings, I feel like. And Wheeler Yuta's one of them. Like, I think these are his most natural promos that we've seen wrestling-wise. Pure Rules really is the best way, I feel like, to showcase what a wrestler you are in, in some respects, especially a guy like Wheeler. But I've just loved that about these ROH things. I don't know if it's just because you're like, well, I signed up for a nine-hour day. <laughs> This is how it's going to go. But I, I just feel like everyone's felt so comfortable. And then we yeah. get El Hijo del Vikingo versus Commander for the AAA mega title. And what was added as a holy shit match, I think, for a lot of people, which rules. Um, I mean, either way, I think the fans win. I don't know who has the title, but my guess is whoever has the title <laughs> retains. I can't even really I think Vikingo does. I think Vikingo does too. Um, but I I that's just gonna be one that is uh a spectacle to watch in ring wise. I don't I don't even care who who really wins. Um, but if that's the case, I'm guessing Vikingo retains because I think Vikingo does have the title. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who wins. I'm not going to even try to predict because I don't know the stories going on there. I just think it's going to be an awesome match, and that's all I care about. Yeah, I only feel that way because my guess is if they want to do a title swap, they're probably doing it on their own turf. But maybe not. Maybe that's a, a chance to showcase your belt switching hands at a different audience than you normally get. And then yeah. in the 
my God, Kate is so excited match. Claudio versus Eddie Kingston for the world title. The more that's happening with Blackpool Combat Club, the more I think Eddie is winning this title because I think they're just going to want Claudio around on AEW television with how much they're building out this kind of Blackpool Combat Club taking over, which we're going to talk about later tonight. Their sit-down with Caprice Coleman was awesome for a lot of reasons. One, I think we all know how good Eddie is on the mic. I think Claudio came out great here if you saw it on Thursday. Uh, and the other thing is, it felt like there was a character shift for Eddie from my estimation and that Claudio has been saying the same things that the Blackpool Combat Club was saying, the same things that CM Punk was saying. Uh, you're wasting your potential. Um, you know, everybody had such high expectations of you. And what are you going to do? You're going to lose and then you're going to throw a temper tantrum about it like you always do. Like all of those things. And Eddie Kingston, instead of getting pissed off, just kept making it more about the title. And I really, really liked that because to me that felt like an intentional character choice. Uh, and and maybe this is the time that he puts it all together because you can only go back to this well so many times. If he's going to have the moment, it should be against his two-decade-old rival, Claudio, I think. This was super, super fun. Uh, loved, loved, loved what we're getting out of Claudio. Just like cool, badass dude with his coffee. I can't believe uh, WWE screwed him up. Like he's just so easy. To, <laughs> he's so easy to root for as a face. And he's such an easy heel to like be like, man, that guy's a dick, but he's cool. Um, <laughs> he's so much fun. And of course, most importantly, Eddie Kingston is all doing this in a Flint Tropics jersey, which is just unbelievable to me that he can make you feel uh, while wearing a, a faux jersey like that. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. But I think I think this is it. I think Eddie quit AEW, so him coming to ROH for this picture, I feel like he's got to go over and just realistically, Ryan, like it, Blackpool Combat Club's doing so much on the main roster right now. I think they're going to want him around on the AEW side rather than going back and forth to Orlando every week. So a couple things. We have to address something in a second, so we can't move off ROH until I share my screen. That's a whole thing. Two, I loved uh, Claudio's like, just tearing down of Eddie because it was done almost cold. Like yeah, it was very calculated. Like it was yes, not a. Um, it wasn't emphatic or loud or or even particularly passionate. It was just like cut and dry, <laughs> which I think makes it feel worse. Oh yeah, like. This is uh, the, what is it? Oh, God, I just had the Will Ferrell movie about basketball. What is it? Um, oh, it was the Tropics Thunder, but it's not. It's, it's the, the Flint, Flint Tropics. And, yeah. And what is it called? Oh, my God, what is well, it? Either way, I love the movie, and I, I'm blanking on the movie. It was such it's a good time. one, though, of all those silly Will Ferrell sports ones. And I love it. Don't like, and most people don't like it, and I was a fan. I, I, I think most people don't like it because it had been so many iterations of Will Ferrell, semi-pro. It had been so many iterations of Will Ferrell just like back to back to back doing like corny sports basically. movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But semi-pro was great. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and it's sad that I couldn't remember it because I will watch that movie just for fun. So like, Oh, it's great. Uh, so I'm with you. They sit there in the, the Flint Tropics jersey and, you know, talk trash back is just hilarious this has to be his win if he loses they've wasted it 
because you're right. You can only tell the story so many times. And to me, this is you can tell it again if he wins. Because now you have the story of will Eddie self-destruct now that he's gotten what he wanted. For sure. For sure. But and if I he think loses, what are we doing? And in ROH, so much of it is just about being in love with pro wrestling. And we know that Eddie is, but what they don't have kind of historically at ROH, because they don't fully need it. You're just getting such high, like high caliber, high work rate matches. They don't usually have a guy who can come in and, and do what Eddie can do on the mic. Like they don't usually have that guy who can make everything feel so personal in a promo, which I think will be really good for the development of the younger people that are there because in AEW, that is going to be something that's expected. So I, I think that's, that's the right call. And, and man, Blackpool combat club's doing a lot of work on, on the main. So we're going to get into that in a minute. Kate as tweeted by Tony Khan. Wow. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Daniel Garcia at Supercard of honor. Damn, just that came just out. got added today? Like right now? I, a few minutes ago, yeah. Damn. See, this is fun. This is fun because oh. it's you there's just like like Speedball Mike Bailey is also fighting Tanahasha. Like, it's just <laughs> WrestleMania weekend has evolved into just like I love it also because wrestlers are like, I do eight shows in a weekend and my bills are paid for like two months. It's great. Go get your bag, independent wrestlers. I get to go to it. Um, but we also just get to see like all these amalgamations in this incredibly like loose format, which is really, really cool. There's no reason that this needs to be on the card, but there's no reason this shouldn't be on the card if these two wrestlers, <laughs> wrestlers are available to do it. So yeah, both I think things are true. It, it doesn't need to be, but I'm okay that it is. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, so there's just, your super you card got? of honor. What do you got? You got to pick someone. Um, I'm going to say Tanahashi. Me too. Just caught it. I mean, it could very easily go Daniel Garcia, but it's like he doesn't need the win and Tanahashi doesn't need the win. But if you're going to put them side by side, you should probably just break Tanahashi if this is just going to be like a fun whatever yeah and who knows you might want daniel garcia in the g1 at some point or what like there's so many ways that they can go back to it they could set that up for forbidden door they could there's a million different directions you can go but that's just a blast what a I fun agree. Time to be a wrestling fan what a fun time to be a wrestling fan well this is the part of the show where ant would go well ryan or well kate so i'm gonna say well ryan now is the time that we tell you about some of the other shows on the Shining Wizards Network. However, we don't have an insanely long commercial block ready, readily available. I think it's somewhere in my Gmail on the share drive, but I don't really have it. And I'm not going to pull it up, but I'm going to tell you that the broadcast is there. I'm going to tell you that Kevin Rogue does like seven minutes of commercials where he talks at you about his podcast. So... You can follow him on Twitter. I'm going to tell you about the Mark Order podcast, which talks all things Ollie every Wednesday night. Oh my God, you're here for that. I'm going to talk to you about the impact play of Phil Rea. And I forget what the name of that podcast is. Uh, Turnbuckle Throwbacks? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I was testing you. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about the Shining Wizards podcast, whose network we are on. They did not sell to us, regrettingly. Uh, but 
they are on on Mondays, usually at like quarter of seven, between quarter of seven and seven o'clock ish. Uh, they just cover the whole landscape of wrestling, kind of from a higher view. They're incredibly silly. Uh, they're a bunch of fun. They're the reason that we are here. They're the reason I'm going to New Japan in two weeks. They're the reason I'm going to be watching baseball opening day at Matt's house instead of my own. Very, very excited for that. So check out the Shining Wizards. And you can also join the Shining Wizards Discord, which I am notoriously terrible at participating in. Ryan's in there. Some people in the chat are in there. All really, really good people. No assholes are allowed in there, but wrestling talk in general, it's broken up by promotion on channels. And then there's also just music, movies, fitness channel, accountability, if you want to get in on that. Like some really, really good shit in there. So if you need a friendly place to talk about wrestling, hop in there. It's a it's a really great environment. And I'm also going to tell you about a little self-promo, right? I'm going to put us over, okay? talk about the Mark Order podcast and some of our offerings. Darn it. Who doesn't love free stickers? Everybody loves free stickers. Oh my God, they're right there. Well, one of them is there, but we actually have two versions of Mark Order stickers, which you can get totally for free. One of them is that one. We have a round one too. It's dope. They're both great. You can go to the link tree in our bio and you can Fill out the little form for free stickers. Please be sure to include your email address as well as your full address, just in case there's an issue and ain't getting those sent out to you. We've had a couple of people that have left their country codes off or weird things like that. So if you would like free stickers from the Mark Order podcast, please go to our link tree and fill it out. Ant does a real nice job. He sends you a letter. He sends you your stickers. You can support us with our free he stickers. You poem. He writes you a poem. He gives you a phone call if you... Um, buy one of our t-shirts, but he'll also write you a song. He'll yes, and he'll sing it to you. He'll bake stuff for you and send that out with the free stickers. But he'll give you money. He'll give you money. He'll he'll put a single dollar in there like a grandparent. It's great. <laughs> but Ryan alluded to it. You, we also have a pro wrestling tease store. ProWrestlingTees.com slash podcast. You can get some of our great t-shirts over there. We no longer have the gray Chase t-shirts, but we do have a few additions. We have a nice little front and back with our Mark Order logo, uh, and as well as kind of just our, our traditional straightforward shirt. You can get a bunch of those there. I'm guessing Ryan is not doing production and pulling up the website for us. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Which is unfortunate, but... Hold on. Maybe I guilted him into it. Agent Joe asks, if the stickers were scratch and sniff, what would they smell like? I don't want to know because like the first associations that pop into your head when you're like, oh, wrestling smells like aren't good. They're not good. But I'm going to say these ones would smell like a, a bonfire from Lumberjack Matt crushing it on all of his his wood cutting. There you go. There's our Mark Order stickers. Maybe Ryan can zoom in for us. Or I'm sorry, Mark Order t-shirts. The t-shirts. The t-shirts. The t-shirts, I tell you. I don't know how to zoom in. All right. Well, there's our very tiny t-shirts. You can get them for your Barbie and Ken dolls. <laughs> 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 da, 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 da. 
Yeah, it's like our logo on a shirt. So you can get one of those. But we do have a front and back edition too, which looks really cool. I should probably order one for myself at some point. But I love that one because I like the I like the the pocket logo. I think that looks fun. So good shit. Support us at Pro Wrestling Tees. All the money goes right back into the podcast as much as I joke about it going directly into my pockets. It doesn't. It goes right back here. It gets you your stickers. It gets us hopefully further down the line in production. It pays for our hosting service. We've got a lot going on here. So that's the ways that you can support us. And Ryan, because we didn't queue up the commercial break, we can just jump right into Dynamite unless you need to go to the potty. You don't want to. You did drink two bottles of water within like 20 minutes. So it's going okay. to become a disaster. We're, gonna, we're, gonna we're good right now. We're going to zip through Dynamite. But thank you so much for joining us in the chat. We appreciate everyone's support. We got Marky Mark Kayfabe. We've got Slonamite. We've got Asian Joe. We've got a great crew here. SJ McDonald. Thank you so much. Brendan Haney. A lot of familiar names. We appreciate you guys. We're going to dive into Dynamite, which started with Jungle Boy versus Matt Hardy. And it popped me tremendously that jungle boy faced christian and man matt hardy i hope he's not facing bully ray anytime soon <laughs> we are getting the tlc tag team triple threat gods and an order here but i thought this was a super fun match that did a good job of kind of moving things along also made me laugh when we got ethan page just kind of like chucking chucking people it's just a good time but Ultimately, Jungle Boy hits the ropes with a huge elbow to the back at the head, covers for the one, two, three. A good match and a great way to move the story along. You know, Matt Hardy's eating losses for the firm here. Doesn't really reflect super well on things. We saw Stokely obviously lose last week uh, in a in a close match in a almost Broadway classic <laughs> to Hook. The firm has not really taken off in the way that I thought it would. I think Stokely Hathaway is a tremendously talented manager, and he's kind of been like, he was brought in. CM Punk wanted to work with him. It sounded like, felt like he was also sniffing around the MJF title picture there for a while. And then it just felt like they dropped the ball with this whole situation, which is a bummer because I feel like Ethan Page should definitely be on my television. The tag champs are also kind of still in it. Um, and William Morrissey and Lee Moriarty are great. So it has felt like it got a little bit lost in the shuffle here, but they built out their own angle on dark. They've kind of worked their way back up, which is great. Scorpio Sky is still waiting in the wings. So we will see what happens here. But the story kind of keeps tumbling down the mountain here of, of what's kind of, is Matt Hardy throwing losses or does he just not, you know, have it really, he's not really winning right now. Um, but Jungle Boy going over here was the correct call. And I, anytime Ethan Page is on my screen, I'm a happy gal. What were your thoughts on this match? Okay, so I'll address the match second. And first, I'm going to address your Stokely comments. And I'm sounding professional. Do I sound professional? So profesh. I'm so profesh because Stokely deserves professional. Uh, I'm with you. I think they've dropped the ball a little bit on him because he's so talented. However, my hope is that this is the start of using him in a lot of good ways again. Kind of like this got really over. Yeah. So I'm really thinking like this and it got over because of him. I mean, as over as hook is, this was Stokes angle. So my hope is that it, this is the restart of him, which it has, it's happened with other guys in the company, 
where you thought they were going to go one way. They went cold for a while for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden they're back on full blown. Uh, I'm with you. Ethan page needs to be more regular though. His, his storyline with Matt Hardy, I will consistently say is my favorite going right now. Um, it's even got me to turn where I want them to stay friends. I just want Ethan to go good guy. Like the whole thing is it, it, they've managed to tell an entire story there. Uh, Ethan Page being really sad and having to wrestle this week. It's it sad, you know, after what happened to Stoke and the, everyone laughing at Stoke afterwards. That was online was just oh, so, so funny. great. Rio's a savage. Uh, Who knew? Ish, you know, she's coming on, out with a pipe. She's laughing at Stoke. What a mean streak Rio has. I had no idea. Orange Cassidy, did you win? Yeah. Oh, that was my favorite part of that. Did you win? <laughs> uh, and then I will also say that I think the team of Big Bill Morrissey and Lee Moriarty, they're team Bill Lee. I don't know how, why anyone just doesn't call them that. I think as Big Bill is a not great name for him. I think it's dumb. Okay. But so. they're team Bill Lee. I mean, it's, it's right there. It is right there. If it's there, you should lean into it. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I don't that think they should be a tag team. I actually don't <laughs> mind them as a tag team, to be honest. Mm, I feel like... Okay. Big Bill is an enforcer and Lee Moriarty. Like I, I like the like the heavy and the high flyer or smaller super athletic acrobatic dude duo, but I feel like because Big Bill, I don't want to say he's limited because he does move well for a guy his size, but he's not like that outstanding. I think him in like the heavy slash enforcer role for someone who's a singles competitor and would hire out for something like that. And Lee Moriarty just getting to do awesome like mid-card title matches or whatever would, would be a better way to go. But I, I see what you're saying. I, I don't mind them as a tag team. I just think if I could, if I was choosing whatever way I could use these guys, that's the direction I would go in. Also, Asian Joe, Team Billy or Team Willie? <sighs> he goes by Bill, so it's got to be Billy, but Willie is really funny. Willie is too, because anytime he was like caught in a spot, like caught up in the ropes, you could be like, free Willie. Boom. Yeah. That's, uh, that's this match that we actually that. saw tonight was great uh, for the same reason you said. Like, it's just a lot of fun. It's not, this is not a classic that anyone's going to go back on in five years. Like, you got to watch that Jungle Boy Matt Hardy match from Dynamite on March 29th. But it was a real fun match for Saturday night. I now want Jungle Boy to face Bully Ray just to complete. <laughs> the, the saga i didn't think about it but now i want it uh this was more about the the mjf that followed rather than the match that it was sure so let's get into that because i thought this was some of the better work that we've seen from mjf in in the sense that it felt like it was elevating his opponent he did not need to elevate brian danielson he didn't really need to elevate Ricky Starks either because Starks was just like coming in so hot after the run that he had been on. Jungle Boy is someone who I don't think has ever been, I don't want to say lost in the shuffle because he has been featured, but it did feel like of the four pillars that were kind of like so hot and had so much momentum, felt like they had stalled out a little bit. I think that was just a consequence of the storyline that he was in, right? Christian got injured and uh luchasaurus got injured and is trying to not get sued for his mask or whatever but i felt like this was some of mjf's best heel work in that 
Uh, I feel like he made Jungle Boy sound like a really, really viable on his same level competitor in this. We'll quickly go through it and then I'll get your thoughts. But MJF was putting him over really hard here. He was saying after their match, he felt like he had kind of met his match early in their AEW career. Really loved that. Right off the bat, the first thing he tells you is like, I met my equal. That immediately puts him on a world championship level. Absolutely adored that from him. And then he kind of says to Jungle Boy, what did I tell you after our match together? And Jungle Boy said, essentially, you told me to abandon my friends. (laughs) MJF gets in a couple of jabs saying that you didn't do that. You hung out with Marco, stunted growth, dinosaur douche, and good call on Christian, by the way, which I loved. Uh, And MJF kind of reiterates that he thought this was going to be his foe or that they might even be friends or partners. Jungle Boy says, admittedly, he thought they might be friends too, but he's not like a selfish, narcissistic prick. Basically saying that he can lay his head on the pillow, even though he's not champion. He's still proud of who he is as a human being and that he's not willing to sacrifice being a good guy to get to that point. And JF then says that Jungle Boy is weak in the body, mind, and he spoke to Anna Jay, who said that he's weak between the legs which of course provokes Jungle Boy to attack him, leading to MGF giving him an eye poke and we get a little skirmish as MJF runs away. Really, really liked this. I'll get your thoughts and then chime in on anything else that I feel like I missed. Never say a man's weak between the legs. That's just cruel. <laughs> That's just mean. Love the Marco stunt reference. Open for maybe a little Marco stunt running at some point. We're going to reference his name. That's you uh, little... you saw that Stu Grayson resigned, and you're like, Marco's next. <laughs> Different levels, but yes. Sure. sure. Um, I was thinking more just casual running for Marco, but if we want to go full blown sign, let's let's bring him back. Ten year deal. Let's lock him down. Uh, I agree. I lo- I think this is the best I've ever seen Max at putting his opponent over. Uh, but you're also right. Max hasn't been in a feud where he's had to. Not as I- champion I go back- yet. Not as champion. I don't yet. even think really even in undercard he's had a lot where he's had to because he's always going against guys who were like you figure it was a Jericho feud. It was uh Punk. Who else? <laughs> I'm trying to. He's had a few, but Sam Punk. Like, like he's not. Yeah, Punk. he's not been Mox. In Mox. Yeah. Um. His when he had the buy-in match with Jungle Boy, he had a pre-tape promo that I thought was very good. It wasn't in a situation where he was putting Jungle Boy over as much, but that was so much earlier in the days of AEW that I don't think MJF was at the point he's at now. So didn't really call for it, but you're right. And that this felt like he, he kind of brought Jungle Boy up to his level. But the, the important thing to always remember, like I try to remind myself is because there's, you could almost interpret that or like, look how different they are. You know, MJF went and become champ with Jungle Boy, but Jungle Boy had gold before MJF did. It was tag, but it was gold. And then in, in AEW, the tag really matters. So it's like, you know, th- these are two guys at, at, a, at a very high level, very young. I mean, Jungle Boy's a couple years younger than Max even. So we're talking, you know. It was first it, 100. Was it first 100 wins too? I think so. Or was it, was yeah. it first or was it 50? It might have been 50 because it? it was a while ago. So that makes sense. But this is going to be a fun match. Is is, is I... I I am okay with the four-way. I get like uh, our occasional co-host, Matt, hates it. Um, yes, Matt, I made a joke about you being the occasional co-host if you listen to this. Uh, 
but I get why Matt doesn't like the four ways. They are they can be crazy. They they're not always the easiest stories. They don't always the most logical. But I'm kind of enjoying this one. My hope though is that Jungle Boy comes out with a singles feud out of this against Max for a little while. I agree. I also thought this was the best that Jungle Boy has sounded on the mic as well in a like live promo by himself. I thought. I think probably because it was rooted in something that's very easy to dig into. This was, he just sounded great. He didn't sound uncomfortable at all. He had a ton of fire. This, this I thought was a home run of a segment. And I agree usually with Matt about this. I feel like this story calls for a four way though, which I like, like if the story calls for multiple people in a match, then I like it. I'm seeing that in WWE right now with the IC title picture, like, when a story like a Four Pillars comes along, a four-way match makes sense. Also, Max is an arrogant prick and a heel. When baby faces are dumb and do this, that's what drives me nuts. So <laughs> I like yeah. MJF doing it because he thinks he's invincible. So um, I think he thinks he's invincible. Um, and he he he's so desperate for like the validation that he'll put himself kind of through any test for it. So... Thought this was a home run, and I I thought Jungle Boy came out looking stronger for it. So, what more do you want out of a segment than that? I agree, agree completely. So backstage, Don Callis is hanging out with Hangman, uh, and Don says he grabbed Paige's wrist, lost his balance, and it is his fault. Kenny asks why he would assume Paige just attacked him. And Omega says Paige has punched Dom before, <laughs> which I loved. Don says that Kenny needs to focus on Jeff Cobb and Callis is going to go and apologize to Hangman. We'll get to that later in the night, but we move into, my God, a segment, quite frankly, I wish I had been a part of. Matt Menard and Angelo Park are hanging out with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Uh, this seemed like an incredibly fun night on the town. They went out of carousel. They went all around St. Louis. Uh, this was a blast. This is hysterical. This is a great use of 2.0 while there's dissension. I don't know if there's full dissension in the Jericho Appreciation Society, but everybody's at least doing their own thing while Sammy Guevara is getting this title shot. Daniel Garcia is wrapped up. We're going to talk about later. This really, really good stuff with Adam Cole. Um, I, I really like this use of 2.0 because they can wrestle. They're a hilarious duo, obviously. And I think the Acclaimed is such a good offset for them because the Acclaimed are funny and cool. And 2.0 is funny and not that cool. So it's just a nice juxtaposition. But this this video package was a riot. What did you think? Uh, hilarious. I mean, my God, I want to know what the plot is here. Like the real plot. Cause I don't buy the plot that we're being told. Uh, but this, if it was just an excuse to have this ridiculously fun segment, I'm all for it. It was just so much fun Four of well, five. Cause you can count believe five of just the funniest guys in the company, just allowed to do whatever the hell they want. And that's all I ever ask when you're going to give me comedy, let those guys be silly and do it the way they do it. And I, I was all for, you know, the giant scissors being held by the mascot. The, <laughs> just everything that the carousel, the whole thing was just killing me. Uh, I do re real quick want to address Gordon Post's question. Do we think setting, we could we see them setting up a hook MJF feud down the line, way down the line? Hook is, as over as Hook is, he's 
very much nowhere near that level of he doesn't wrestle enough to be at that level. He doesn't right now. And I think I feel like a TNT maybe dethroning Hobbs is a good move, or at least I think you're looking at Hook and Hobbs before you're looking at Hook and MJF. Um, but don't forget he has that FTW belt. I feel like that's gotten really lost in the shuffle with him. I would like to see that belt mean something on the show again. It's like kind of weird that the FGW belt doesn't mean as much as it did when now it's like it's his dad's belt. They might be waiting on that. They might be sitting on that to to lean into Taz and Hook's relationship more than they have been. But I think people forget like he's technically a title holder. So um, granted, it's a meaningless belt in some respects, but like it shouldn't be meaningless to the guy whose belt it is son, right? Agreed. Though I would think, you know who would make that belt funny? The Acclaimed and Matt Menard and uh, Cool Hand Ange. Well, they can make anything funny. I know. I just had to bring it back. Who do you think would be a good challenger for the FTW belt for real, though? I'm trying to think of like who might be in that shuffle. See, I have a name, but he's not a regular AEW guy, so I don't want to say it. I've, say but, it. Oh, he was on tonight's show, and that's Jeff Cobb. Oh my god, that'd be really fun. Because he would turn it into a murder title again. Like, I own this belt. You come for this belt. I'm gonna murder you. That could be really, really fun. I was also thinking of guys like like a Kip Sabian or whatever, who it felt like maybe he does win the, I guess now international or the what was the All Atlantic. Um like it, some I think ridiculous name like galactic intergalactic i'm waiting for then our, yeah. our friend lsg could have it you could get some of these I'd... space gimmicks to go intergalactic with it uh i think um i think it could be i think there are people who are on the up but probably aren't sniffing around the tnt picture for a little bit that that might be a good fit for it um orange cassidy we'll see what happens with that I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. His run has been really fun and really productive, I think. So, but we will talk about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about the Blackpool Combat Club versus Dalton Castle and the boys. And this was not much of a match, but it was a lot of fun. Dalton Castle getting a nice pop on AEW television always makes me happy. The boys looking great. I was just glad to see. That nobody bled on Dalton Castle's outfit because that would have been upsetting, or quite frankly, any of the either of the boys' outfits that would have been a super bummer. Claudio getting the win and a a different theme kind of playing. I don't know if this is the Blackpool Combat Club's theme or if they changed up Claudio's, but it was kind of a fun way to cap off his victory. They really just beat the ever living dog shit out of Dalton Castle and the boys, but that was supposed to be the match. And to be honest, like. Don Castle is someone that I really like. He was really over at Grand Slam. I don't think I knew how many people were like, he, he gets pretty good pops everywhere he goes. And I don't know if it's that people fully recognize him or it's just because his presentation is so immediately easy to root for that it, it's contagious. Like people... People who do know him start rooting for him. And then you see this guy come out in his elaborate um, 
you know, gear and with the boys in the presentation. So I don't know if it's just a thing where people don't know him, but find him really easy to root for, or he's just gained that much notoriety. Either way, I think it's awesome. But if you want to get heel heat against someone beating the other living dog shit out of Dalton Castle is a pretty good way to do it. I don't know. Makes me think that the Blackpool Combat Club is just a bunch of silly gooses, personally. Just a bunch of silly gooses. They are... Just be silly geese at that point? I feel like they're silly gooses, though. You know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. properly they're silly geese, but it does kind of feel like they... Uh, just a bunch of silly little gooses. Silly little naive gooses. Uh, they did stay limber as baby chickens, clearly. But this is this is so much fun. This is a really great and smart use of Dalton Castle and the boys because they're with a Diet Radio Gaga entrance play. It's it's such a blast that I I feel like smooshing them here in as violent of a way as they did uh, Moxley. Jesus, it kind of actually a little bit protected them too in a weird way because they were jumped. They didn't take like. Mm-hmm. You know, they've taken some losses recently, and I think AEW likes them, so I don't think they want them to be, like, the continuously losing team. So this loss was a protected loss because they were jumped before the match ever started. So they right. never stood a chance. It was not a straight-up fight. It was you were squashed because these three guys attacked you from behind and tossed you around and did what Jesse Oza calls boy aside. Um, <laughs> boy aside. And, and you're right. Dalton Castle is has become one hell of a face. Uh, Marky Mark says that was the first wrestler he ever met. Such an amazing guy. Doesn't get enough near enough love. I think he's starting to get that love. I think his. I think a couple things have helped him. Well, I mean, obviously the biggest is just being on AEW. You're getting a much larger group of people seeing you. I think his appearance on RJ City's show helped. Hell yeah! I think that show does a lot for people that people don't realize. Like. I know it doesn't have, you know, it has good numbers, but not obviously like million viewers, but it starts to, at least the hardcore fans get really into it. And with anything, once you get the hardcores on board, then you can pull like the more casuals in because it, it starts to build momentum. And he's just, I've liked him since we went to that ROH show. I think it was the night Punk debuted in AEW. Uh, I, I, it was one of the two. I can't remember, but I think it was that one. I think they had a, Death Before Dishonor. Battle Royal. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had Battle Royal, and he got eliminated. But he got eliminated twice, but the first time he got eliminated, his giant group of boys saved him. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made me, the way they did it made me laugh so hard. I'm like, all right, you're, I'm, I'm in with you. As soon as you do that, like, I'm, you did the comedy right, and I, I'm all on board. I loved so. it. Um, you're, you're right. And I feel like I've said this a few times, like I think he's a very authentic version of an archetype that people get wrong a lot. Like I feel like they're trying to do that with Pretty Deadly in NXT and well, well, better than a lot of times um, still isn't like fully there. Um, oh my God. Doggo of destruction. There we go. Well, yeah, I agree because the, the stuff, the comedy part of his character has nothing to do with that side of his character. Right, you're not laughing at him, really. You're laughing at what the stu- he's getting like, you to laugh at. You're you're laughing yeah, at his like, work, not as him. He's not the joke. He's in charge of the yeah. joke the whole time. Exactly. So. 
So good stuff there. I also do like the Blackpool Combat Club jumping them beforehand because that was a statement match. That was not a competitive match, right? That was them sending a message to the rest of the roster, I think. So fun stuff there. And then we get to my match of the night, which I knew was going to be great, but this was great in a whole way that I never even anticipated. Kenny Omega versus... Jeff Cobb for the IWGP United States Championship. Jeff Cobb, the adorable Hawaiian Buddha, if you would. Uh, right before this, Tony Schiavone, who's normally such a professional, Ryan. I felt like this was very ill-timed. Don Callis gets split open, okay? The Blackpool Combat Club come out. They assault hangman adam page beat the ever living dog crap out of him while don Callis is apologizing to him uh and then as don Callis still has his hand extended which was my favorite part of this they jump hangman page and don Callis just still has his hand out the blackpool combat club beat the ever living dog shit out of don Callis. now don Callis bleeding a gusher from the forehead, all right? I don't think he bladed. I think this was straight up fake blood based on the look of it. Um, it did not look... It was so bright red, and it was kind of cloudy already. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't busted open hard way. I'm really sure he didn't blade. I think this was either fake blood, or he really took one of those cuts that, like... You know those cuts that are super shallow but very wide and they just won't stop bleeding and they're like very surface level and take forever it was one of those two um but that's what happened here and then uh tony shivani goes to tell kenny omega about this right before the match and i mean right before the match like kenny is getting ready here uh not the most professional of, of tony shivani but what i did like about this is it kind of put a seed of doubt in your head uh, is the story here going to be that Kenny can't win without Don or that he was distracted in this match, which I thought was really, really good because Kenny looked visibly shaken, which I thought was a, a nice touch to this. I just don't think Tony Schiavone was like the best at his job, but man, oh man, what a match this was. A few spots that I'll call out and then I'll I'll throw it over to you, but the stalling suplex on the ropes from <laughs> Jeff Cobb was unbelievable. Uh, the V-trigger from Jeff Cobb, dear God, unreal stuff here. Um, I love a good Snapdragon suplex. It's my favorite type of suplex. Kenny Omega might have the best one in wrestling right now. Like his Snapdragon is so explosive and clean. And it almost has the same effect that an RKO does when Randy Orton does it, where it's like he can just kind of pull that out like very, very quickly. Like it does not take a lot for him to pull that off. And when it's a guy of Jeff Cobb's size, that's pretty unbelievable. But this ends with one of the more impressive spots that we've seen out of Kenny in a one-winged angel to Jeff freaking Cobb. But great stuff here. He was selling the ribs the whole time really well. Jeff Cobb doing a great job attacking those ribs as well. And we're going to talk about the post-match, but what were your thoughts on, on this? This was my match of the night. So let me start first with the the, the interview. Uh, I am now more firmly convinced that Callis is teaming with the BCC. Uh, because it seems so coincidental that he happens to want to go apologize to Hangman right before 
Hangman gets jumped. And then I think the blood was fake. Agreed. And I think it was fake on purpose. Like, obviously, it was fake on purpose. But I think, like, it, even that was part of the story. Like, storyline fake. Yeah. I think I think the whole thing is to throw. I think he, I think he got mad that Kenny seemed to be abandoning him for the Bucks more. Because this the Kenny that came back for the trios was not the Kenny that lost the title. Correct. It's a different Kenny. So I think he he he's not pleased with it, and this is his kind of like betrayal, I guess you'd say. Uh, but it was funny when they when Claudio put on his sunglasses. I did laugh at that. Uh, <laughs> it was great. The match was amazing. What I liked about this match is it felt almost like the opposite of the match from last week, and and I loved the match from last night with last week Vikingo. Just this was a slower match. This was a more power move match and i really appreciate that showing the versatility of kenny of like one week he's gonna just be in a match where it feels like uh okay real quick for asian joe saying for what it's worth pwi inside reports said it was legit oh, injury for Dunn. Okay. well if it's legit then they then it works for the story that's definitely really one well. of those shallow cuts that never stops which sucks what? those sucked at they are not serious they're the least serious but they fucking suck because they just take forever to close up. And if they get you in the <laughs> right place, it's just it's just terrible. Um, but I, I I just like that you know you can have a really fast insane match one week, a slower more physical match the next, and both are amazing, but for different reasons. Uh, there was, it just I like the way that Kenny like at one point he double arm. I don't know what you call it. Like it was like hammer punch but wasn't on the head typically hammers are on the head and this was like on the chest and it was like his hands together and Cobb didn't really move and it just felt like they were telling the story of originally that Kenny couldn't figure out how to really get Cobb to down and hurt and I liked the progression of that in the match that he had to keep doing more and more to get Cobb to stay down you called it out that that V trigger by Cobb on Kenny I mean realistically I, I'm not I'm not actually complaining about this, but that's almost like a finishing V trigger. That was so vicious looking. Uh, but yeah, this was this was just an amazing match. There was a, <laughs> I actually had to laugh. There was a moment where Kenny picked Cobb up for a power slam, and then Cobb just fell on top of him. <laughs> no, nope. yeah, and it looked <laughs> so natural compared to like a lot of times that spot looks really contrived in the sense of like. The oh, guy almost no, he's too yeah, the guy almost get, or whatever. Yes, yeah. like he almost gets him up too much most of the time for it to be like and holds him there for too much for like the fall to make sense because it's like if you can get him up that far, whereas like Kenny barely got him up and was down. And I'm like, yes. that felt that felt real to me. So that was really good. No, Jeff Cobb's awesome. I know he, this is what his second match in AEW third. Yeah, the one I think his second, I think third appearance, second match. I think okay. Um, I hope he makes more. I understand he's he's a a new Japan guy, so I'm not I know he's not coming got a pay-per-view. Like, well, I mean we got yeah, the pay-per-view. So who do we want him against in the paper? Oh, I already figured it out. I want him versus Samoa Joe. Oh damn. Yeah, that'd be really fun. Yeah. That'd be really fun. I do want to circle back on your point because it's so true. Like Kenny's matches this year in singles competition have been just so insane of um, you look at what he did with Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom compared to what he did with El Vikingo to what he did with Jeff Cobb. This was my favorite 
Um, just from a tip, I mean, I'll, I'll take the Osprey one out because that was just such a different animal. But this, I liked more than the Vikingo match just because this is my this is my wheelhouse. Like I loved how much story got told here. Like this was this was such a great storytelling match. Um, from all the stuff with Don Callis to the way they made Jeff Cobb look like the monster that he is to Kenny just kind of having the tour of the islands finisher scouted, like all these things like really, really played into an awesome, awesome story. Um, but holy crap, we get a really fun post-match. So Matt and Nick Jackson are both injured, at least in storyline. It sounds like in real life too. Matt definitely has a torn tricep in real life. I didn't know Nick Jackson had a separated shoulder, but they said that is the case um, on television. I don't think they would lie about that if they're going to for real call out his brother's injury. So that absolutely sucks if they're both injured, especially because Nick Jackson is the one that you would want to go on the singles run. Um, but we get the Blackpool Combat Club, who's just running roughshod all over, coming out I know. Here. I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to forget to do this. And this is important for us because um, it's, it's, it's semi-related to our show. It's, re it's related to our people of our show. So I want to point out, this is Nyla Rose right now. Holy shit. Oh, that's During the so Shining awesome. Wizards podcast. So Is that on Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. She posted it 28 minutes ago. She shouted him out. Also, shout out to Wizards podcast. And then <laughs> our buddy Cass is wearing the same exact shirt today. Oh, that fucking rules. So then her response is what made me really laugh. This is great. Now I have to burn mine. <laughs> Did uh, the Shining Wizards retweet that? Uh, I don't know if they've gotten a chance to yet. I mean, I know I did. Okay. Well, I just want to, I'm going to send that to them. Yep, um, so I thought that was really cool. That um, is really cool. I love that. I'm going to send that to them and then we're going to talk about the Danielson heel turn. Yeah. Sorry. I, but I didn't want to forget because it was, and Jesse, I, I miss Nyla on my TV too. I, I'm now a firm believer and we need a women's tag division more than anything. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens now that Vicky's out of the picture. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really want Nyla to work face, but it sounds it's like funny. Marina Shafir is also really coming along. So we'll see. Mox talked her up like crazy on Renee's podcast. It sounded like, yeah, I, I, um, it sounds like, uh, between like the, the badassery that she's displaying, like in ring wise, she still has a long way to come, but I think she's really found the character with like, she's fighting well, barefoot. She's like, well, really on aggressive. Her, and... Mox's point on her in ring stuff was that, and he actually was kind of coming because he watched her blood sport and thought she was incredible. And he goes, the problem is he, she doesn't seem as comfortable in the matches she's had on AEW, except for, and I forget who it was, that went longer. And he goes, he could see by like the midway point of that longer match, she got comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And she, she got better. Like, so, and it's Jesse, like I would see that have to sprint. And then there's runners that are like long distance runners. It's a good, yeah. uh, it's a good thing. But and anyway, Jesse, I would, I would team it, I would team Nyla with Marina still 
I would have them be Nyla, this funny person, and Marina just super serious because I think there's a comedy duo there that works, but they're also badass, so they can win matches. Like they're not pure comedy. But all right, sorry. I had to just I want, her, that I want her to be a baby face. I don't care how you get there. Um post-match after this match, though. We have the Blackpool Combat Club coming out to beat Kenny down, and then we have Brian Danielson emerge. Not on the side of the Blackpool Combat Club initially. He comes out in his gray shirt thing, looking very wholesome and vegan. Um, and he kind of comes out like in Kenny's corner. And I assumed he was going to turn heel here. But it did make you kind of pause because it would be very cool to think about who Danielson's first match was. Kenny Omega, dream match, widely regarded as the two best in the world. Kenny just lost his buddies. Danielson pairing up with him logically could make sense while they're on the same side of the coin here. But what happened is what we expected. Uh, Danielson turns heel while Omega's back is turned, comes in, he puts him in a cross face that he just leaves on forever and ever and ever. I'm so glad to have heel Danielson back. It has been my favorite version of Danielson that I have seen was like the last heel run from him. Very cool to see the full Blackpool Combat Club come back. I'm just kind of intrigued about what happens with Takeshita here because I, I feel like this was kind of lining up as Don Callis was scouting him for him to join them, but five members is a lot of members. Uh, what were your thoughts on the post-match and what did you uh, think of this entire Danielson heel turn? So... Five members is a lot of members, but Don don't really count Don as a member because he just kind of goes out and is annoying. Yeah, In but Wheeler, way. Mox, Claudio, Takeshita, Danielson. Oh, Takeshita is the the okay. I don't know. Why I got I I missed you say Takeshita. Yeah, that's maybe Takeshita doesn't come over. Maybe they try to get him and he won't. That and could be. That's that's Takeshita's, and it's not that Takeshita then has to join. Uh, Omega or anyone like that, it could be his own story, unless it really comes down to a little bit of how long the uh, the young bucks are out for, because you might need some Takesh to help if the young bucks are out for a while. It sounds like it sounds like Matt Jackson's tricep tear is going to need surgery, which is like seven to eight months, which fucking blows. Separated really? shoulders can be really long term, or they can be like Next two week. to three months, depending. Like Becky Lynch's, for example, was like a eight week thing or something. Uh, it depends how bad the separation is, I guess. So I'm hoping because here's the thing: I love the Young Bucks as a tag team. Nick Jackson is the guy in that. Like I love Matt Jackson. I think his selling is tremendous. I think he is one of the most ring aware wrestlers that you can have of like, they say it in improv, right? You don't want every person playing the same role. You kind of need people that like architect the scene and you have people that kind of fill in things. I feel like Matt Jackson is one of the best tag match architects that you'll ever see. But like from a moves executional standpoint, Nick Jackson is the guy. Um, so if he comes back sooner, I would, would hope that they would just put him on a singles run if Matt Jackson is out for a little bit, I, I think that's the move. But uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see where Takeshi fits in all this because Don Callis was definitely recruiting him. So we'll find out. 
Yeah, I mean, depending on. So I, I just did a quick Google, and obviously Google's not doesn't reliable, and most of them are reporting Sean stuff that I, I don't know how I didn't see, but he's going to remain on TV through the injury, which means he might be able to pick up a, a the cash to be like, hey, you're my sub. You go in, you 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 fight that you you fight for me. To catch to it fit in well. Uh so that's again, we're I'm thinking ahead to stories that haven't developed yet. I'm just planning in my head because it's fun. Because I loved this post down post match beatdown. You know, yeah, you have that moment of Danielson coming down. Oh, yes. And I mean I knew everyone knew he was gonna turn, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, oh great, because I wanted him to turn. I wanted him to be with the BCC still an evil. And Mox's celebration on the outside when Danielson did the the move of like you idiots of course he's on our side it was just so funny um i i i am damn gordon has a good idea um i am all for and i'll point it up in a second sorry but i'm all for uh this story i think it was a great beat down i think it told it, it, i think this is fun for the people who and i i'm not trying to get into this oh People talk and trash rip, but for the people who don't like the way the AW tells stories and the fact that they don't think they do, this is a story. This is a good story. It's being told. It's being told over weeks now. We're seeing it develop. So I'm very much online with that. And Gordon Post puts out there there's a certain golden lover. Even if it's there not a long term run, there definitely is. Kenny could get some help out there. Ooh, things are getting interesting. You got Hangman, you got a golden lover, you got mm -hmm. one buck. You don't necessarily have to get to Takashita, but you could bring in Takashita if you need two bucks. Oh, we're 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 cooking with gasoline now. We also don't know the status of Jay White. Like I think a lot of people have assumed he's put pen to paper at WWE. Um, we don't know that, and there's a lot of uncertainty there. I I keep going back to the fact that Jay White, the day it was announced that his New Japan contract was up and he might be leaving WWE, that same day was when the Saudi Arabia rumors broke. That will change things for you as a wrestler, possibly. It will make you at least pause and reevaluate because there was interest from both companies. So you got Jay White out there. You got Adam Cole. You got Adam Page. You got a lot going on right now. I think Adam Cole's sticking away from this for a little bit, but a lot of possibilities. And let's not forget that Forbidden Doors right there. Kenny could recruit people from New Japan just for this feud. Like you could do a five-on-five -five match with a whole amalgamation. So endless possibilities that I think are super fun. He could have had this match with Jeff Cobb and said, I know I beat you, but like, damn, that was a hell of a match. Be on my side for this. Tons of places that you could go. So I'm loving it. I really do. I, I'm loving the stories that we've got here. We're going to move along to the team that I love most, though, the Gun Club. And what was actually admittedly a, a pretty fun little segment it was quick. It was to the point. My complaints with them are rarely in this format. But the Gun Club essentially tell FTR that it took them years to get where the guns got in months, which I think is a great uh, shout for them as characters. Like, you should be leaning on that. Um, <laughs> they say that FTR politics for the shot. Look into their eyes. FTR used to be their heroes, but then they met them and now they hate them. Next week, career versus title. Top guys out. This was great. This was really, really strong from the guns. And as much as I don't think they should be champions and I don't love what they do in ring, these vignettes are 
probably where they are strongest, especially Austin. Like Austin is, has really come a long way in his time here. Um, so as much as I am desperate that FTR wins next Wednesday, I also can appreciate that like what we saw tonight from them was good. They cannot be long-term champions. Even if FTR leaves next Wednesday, they cannot keep the title for too much longer after that. It's just uh, not, it, it doesn't do them any favors right now either. Like they should be transitional regardless of who they're transitioning to. I think it's FTR. I think they're sticking around, but I'm intrigued to see what happens next week. I think it's good that they've leaned into the real life stuff, whether they are or not. What were your thoughts? Um. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the ass boys. So you are, you love the ass. Boys. I do. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't do it like that. I have to do it my way. It, it completely ruined me how awesome they were on the cruise. Like I, yeah. I still objectively don't like them, but like, and I, I, it was never. It's not like it was personal beforehand. But seeing how extra cool they were on the cruise, that they watched everybody's matches and were cheering all the faces and booing all the heels and were so awesome. Like, oh, it just made me, it made me wish I liked them a lot, <laughs> a lot more. But they, they seemed like the coolest dudes in the world on the, on the cruise. Um, Agreed. Um, that's what I'm trying to tell you. See, they're cool dudes with attitude. Yeah, but um, no, I don't think they suck. I, they don't. I, I they don't suck, especially Austin. They I, just I will, them being champions feels feels rushed. Wrong. I will fully agree yeah. that they have been moved up at a speed that wasn't in accordance with correlate with their yeah progression. Yeah. I, I I will say that's not even me trying to. That's me as a viewer of TV, or if you were a reader of a story or the viewer of a movie, that's not me trying to be inside baseball. They, they, they just took a character that didn't seem to be there yet and made the character there. It's like, if, uh, I'm trying to think of something, not literally Dan Housen called them the ass boys. Um, yeah. The cruise before last. And then it followed them to every arena and then yeah. got over. <laughs> but it'd be like, if, if this were sports, it'd be like, all of a sudden, one day as a college, the guy is literally just starting in high school, and the next thing you know, he's a pro, and nothing else has changed. Like there wasn't that middle progression to get him there. Um, they they needed, but I will say, if FTR wins this, which I'm hoping they are, because uh, <laughs> Jesse Ozai's like make it nerdy. No, I likely would have went like science fiction or anime, and Kate would have been like, "What the hell are you talking about?" So I just <laughs> cut it off. Um, I hope FTR stays. I, I like FTR and AEW personally more than I do WWE. That's a personal thing. I actually just want them to be happy and do whatever they want to do. So even if it's not WWE or AEW, if it's indies where I don't really see them that much, whatever makes them happy. But for my personal selfish viewing, clearly would prefer AEW. It also feels like it's AEW because I don't think you put it on the guns. If you don't have FTR come and take it from them. Uh, I do actually think that the guns come out stronger from this feud. I think promos like tonight, I think last week's with the way Austin mocked them, I think all this makes the guns look much better. And now it's a little ass backwards because you've had them be <laughs> champs before you've built them up. As boy I didn't mean backwards. to, but I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm so good at them. They just come without me even knowing. That's it. <laughs> uh, you Now that when they lose, you have to then prove that they have belonged at that level. 
usually you prove they belong at the level and then give them the belt. This time you're going to lose the belt and say, we need to prove that this is where they belong. So it's a little weird, but I'm all for it. If, if you can, if you do it right, I don't know who their next feud is going to be, but I'm okay with it. Whoever it is, as long as it's not with the belts, there's literally no one. I'd be like, I'd probably be acclaimed again since that's been kind of done, but sure. I think, I think top flight would be a great feud for that. Top flight would be, I think after Supercard of honor, we'll probably get clarity around who's going to be on which rosters, which I think is also desperately needed. I would love if Aussie open sticking around FTR versus Aussie open. It's just, I mean, begging for it, begging for it right there. I think that would be such a blast. I also would like to see like Uno and, and Grayson, right? Like there's so many possibilities of people that are like in the mid card that I think FTR could just do such incredible work with. That could really, really help them. I haven't seen the workhorsemen on ROH, so put them on AEW. So yeah, the workhorsemen uh, need to be a team featured in ROH. I don't obviously, I don't see the room in the AEW. I would love them in AEW, but I don't see the room. Oh, what room? Take like we had a four pack, and we were featuring Danhausen and Orange Cassidy. Like, where are the Iron Savages? They're not at ROH yeah. either. Like, I'm I'm ready for FTR because they are legitimately, in my opinion, the best tag team in the world. I think inarguably, at least on American television, inarguably, I think you you'd be misjudging if you didn't put them in the top three or top five in the world. Um, I think what they could do with this next tag run is not face guys like the Lucha Brothers or guys like the Young Bucks. Like I think they could be really productive and building up the rest of this world-class tag team division that there's been a lot of teams simmering in that middle ground that I, I think are ready to be showcased in a really great way. FTR is so seasoned and so good at making, I mean, we've seen them on, on dark doing great matches where you're like, how the fuck is this on dark? And they are like crafting this much work into their matches. So that's what I would like to see out of the next FTR tag run, because I think it calls for it. Yeah, I'm 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 fully with you on that one. I think I think you move up to, like I think top flight is AEW. Um just because they've been built so much there, they're now at that level, they're just an AEW team. I think you have workhorsemen iron savages be at ROH for a little while. Give them the shine there. So Lucha up in AEW, keep top flight in AEW. Aussie open depends on what you want to do with them. If I don't they're think staying. top flight's staying in AEW, to be honest. Like I I think they're gonna go to ROH because they I'm were a trio them. with AR Fox and in AEW last we saw. And then it feels like they've been doing all their tag work in, in ROH and a lot of the story that's gotten told there. They've been doing a lot of work with the kingdom down there. So, but we'll see. I'm I'm ready for the clarity. I don't, it's almost not about who goes where for me at this point. I just want to see these guys are trios. These guys are the AEW tag division. This is the ROH tag division, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm not. I just you're right. Clarity is all I really care about because I can make it work once you have clarity in my head. You more than anybody, to be honest. <laughs> we get the blade and the butcher, the butcher and the blade, butcher versus Orange Cassidy with the blade at ringside, blade attacking Orange Cassidy before the match. He has a crowbar in this. Really, really, really fun match. My Tuesday night co-host Alex Pulaski tweeted, my God, Butcher is so badass. He can make like cropped red leggings look badass somehow. He had no he had no right pulling off that fit as well as he did. But 
What a super fun match. I'm going to throw it to you, but I'll say that Orange Cassidy does win with the beach break here. We do get that crowbar spot from Blade, but this was a really, really fun match. This was a different match for Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Throwing it to Ryan. Your thoughts? I really enjoyed this. I like the way they started it out with the attack. I think... Butcher and Blade are, are a tag team that I think needs some more feature in AEW. Like, they are a team that, if they gave, if you put them on a positive run, got them a bunch of wins, if they put the belts on them, I'd be like, okay. Like, not right, obviously FTR's moment right now, but in my opinion. But after that, yeah, because I think they they, they have that look to them where if you turn them on, what do, you, what do I care? Uh, I loved the way Butcher just went for the back all Matt, it was such a good story that he just kept doing back move after back move because that's where the crowbar hit Orange Cassidy. Like, I loved that they attacked him there and it continued forward. I also do appreciate that Orange Cassidy had to do some variations to his normal moves. Yes. To make things work. Like, he didn't get his uh, spinning DDT the way he normally does. He had to kind of, like, get creative to deliver it. He had to get creative to deliver his punches. He had to, he had to try some things. He doesn't normally have to try. I think, but you look great in this. I finally really, really appreciate that. They had the best friends come out, neutralize the blade, but also hit the butcher with the crowbar. Yes. Because it protects the butcher in the sense of orange Cassidy didn't beat him clean after getting hit with the crowbar. Both of them got hit with the crowbar and orange Cassidy won the match. Like I, as stupid as that just mattered to me that it's like, when a guy gets hit with every weapon and doesn't lose, and then the guy he beats didn't get hit with anything. That always kind of bothers me. It's kind of like, wow, you made one guy look awesome and made another guy look really shitty. Kind of like a little bitch, yeah. Yeah, this one, at least, it's like, well, both guys got hit, and then Butcher just happened to get hit and get fall into, you know, the moves. You know, falling into the punch, and, you know, he lost. So that I'm, I'm way better off with, with that ending, and... Orange Cassidy's run when they were given the stats before the match was like 16 wins in a row. How many of them have six been... and one in the past 27 matches? And I want to say out of the 27 matches, at least 25 of them have been an awesome match. He is on an epic run. Um, I think people need to appreciate. And I think they do. So I'm I'm lecturing for something that I think people actually do appreciate. I'm glad people are appreciating the run they're getting out of Orange Cassidy because this is, I think for, we always talk about how it's amazing how he stopped being, a, he's still a comedy character, but how he took that and developed into a full-blown main 100%. event level wrestler. And I just, this was great. And real quick, just because I saw it, I'll forget. Uh, Cabbage, we didn't see this week's All Access because we go right on air, so... I'm sure we'll talk about some of it in the future, depending on who views it and who doesn't, but it's never going to be like a main focus for us because that's more outer ring stuff than we typically do. I with. think it's probably going to be kind of bad, so probably not, but I'll probably end up watching it because I watched all of Total Divas. <laughs> I'm seeing mixed reviews on it. I'm seeing some people hate it, but some people really loved it, so. 
I I don't know. When I saw the trailer and it was like Ruby Soho telling Tay Conti, like, if she does that again, we're going to have a problem. I was like, this is very worky because we know Tay Conti did that again in a match on purpose. So I was like, yeah. oh, no, this is like this is going to be an obviously worked reality show. I'm OK if that's what they go with. Just my rule for that is as a TV viewer, so my personal rule is either if you're going to be worky be so blatantly worky that it's not even like you're trying to hide what you're doing. Yeah. Like MJF very clearly was. I don't know. About yeah, but I, he always is. So I'm not really worried about him. But the rest of it felt like they're trying to be like half in one world, half in the other. Yeah, it needs like drunk way. Brie Bella. Every one of these shows it, needs drunk Brie Bella. It needs drunk why she Eddie lost Kingston. Her oh God. That might get violent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we want that. I don't know if we want that. Apparently, oh, but you're gonna he's... love all the Eddie stuff. Well, yeah, of course, I'll love the Eddie stuff. I love everything. I love Eddie. This match was super fun. I agree with you that the crowbar spot was smart. I also liked it because best friends were leaning heel ish a little bit, and I liked that they were, um, that they kind of were at least badass faces, if not still leaning heel. Like, it bugs the shit out of me when faces are like, I have to do the right thing, especially in protecting my friend. I'm like, no, you're coming out there to neutralize people. Let's go. So, and you had the numbers advantage. So, good shit there. Then we move along to what was, I thought, a really good match. But, oh my god, I'm getting very tired of this booking. Willow Nightingale versus Ruby Soho. This ends exactly as you would expect because it ends exactly as we've seen. We get the bad girls uh, with Soraya on the apron. Tony pulling Ruby out of a hold, putting her foot on the ropes, rolling up Willow for the win. Um, match was really, I, I, I just fucking love Willow, man. I love her so much. And I love Ruby too. I, I think I was not initially bought in on a heel turn for Ruby, but I am now. Um, she, from the time that she delivered that promo on, I thought it, it's been really, really strong. I think the bad girls desperately needed her. I think she gave them an edge that they didn't have. I think she has mic abilities that not Tony Storm or Saraya lack by any means, but I think Ruby just has had, because, because she had the deliberate choice of the turn. There's just something more, more, a little more vicious with her. Um, I really liked the match. Anytime Willow pulls the straps down, I just love it. I loved commentary here, but I do miss when ROH has Caprice yelling pounce and what they do with Willow's matches. They just have like an extra, an extra layer there. My complaint here is, and we can kind of talk about the post-match. Surprise, surprise, the good girls come down after Willow already lost again. Like this is just so fucking dumb. You know the bad girls are going to be coming down with two other people. Neutralize them. Neutralize them before the person even loses the match, perhaps. Why are you coming down after for the beatdown? I think that's pretty lame. I don't... Especially when you've done it week over week. And we had two Aubrey is an idiot spots here. Stop making your refs look dumb. Get better at agenting matches so that we don't get the same things every week. Like, I... It, it frustrates me when it's the same outcome with the same things. Like we got dumb rough spot and we got cheating from the bad girls and we get the good girls coming down after the fact. So now that's the negative stuff. The good stuff, 
match was great. Willow's great. Um, the story is progressing and developing. So even while I feel like they could do a better job of, of the execution here, I'm really glad that things have made sense. We're getting a ton of women on TV. Happy one year anniversary to Tony Storm and being AEW. That fucking rules. Um, Soraya cracked me up when she was yelling at the cameraman about the wires too. I don't know if you caught that, but on the outskirts of the ring, she was like, he attacked me with the wires that popped me tremendously. Um, this, this has been fun, man. And like, I'm getting really high quality women's division matches on my screen. I just wish they would tweak them so that they could go from being really good matches to great matches. But Willow and Ruby have a trajectory. Like it wasn't that long ago. We weren't getting, literally any story it was just challenger of the month club bullshit so now they've been building it out long enough that people actually have histories like ruby and willow having had a former friendship and being on opposite sides of things willow is tremendously over and a ton of fun what were your thoughts uh so before i get into my thoughts i, I would just want to point out that sj mcdonald loves the outcasts so she can relate to them so i want to say that we have crowd support um I really enjoyed the match. I'm with you on Willow. I mean, you're the one who sold me on Willow originally before I knew about Willow. You're like, hey, you check out this Willow. Willow's awesome. So anything Willow does, I'm I'm a big fan of. And I love Ruby too. So it was great. I think the only thing that could have made this match better is just more time, really. Sure. Yeah. A few more minutes. They could have told a little bit different, a little bit better of a story. But I think overall with what they were given, I think they nailed it. Uh, I don't have any specific spots like I usually, because again, this wasn't a spot match. This was, I think, more of a story match. And I and I love that. Like there was a clearly a story of Ruby's a little afraid of Willow, and I liked that. A little yes. bit like and Ruby kind of realizing without some cheating, there's not a lot she can do against Willow. And I really enjoyed them telling that story. It made Willow look great. Especially be like, because when they were tagging together, they were tagging together in an insane death match, right? Yeah. So she knows what Willow is capable of to the fullest extent of what Willow is capable of. And I, I really appreciate this. Ruby is real small. Like, you don't realize it as much until you see her in person. You noticed it a little bit with Willow today. But, like, she just because she's small doesn't mean she's, like, super acrobatic or a high flyer. Like, she kind of wrestles more Willow style. She's just not as big. So... Them almost being more synergetic in their pacing and things like that tonight, I thought was made for some really good in-ring chemistry. And you're right, Ruby told a really fun story here of like, Willow is bigger than me and stronger than me, and she moves real well. This was really fun. That part of it was real fun. Yeah, Willow has that nice style of like being a bigger, stronger wrestler who can move. And and they're, they're some of the most fun. Um, the post stuff, I have to laugh because it's not just an AEW women's division thing. They do that in the men all the time. Oh my God, when no. where the faces don't come down and support their person in the match. And then, but the heels do. They just did this with the men on Rampage two weeks ago with which story? It was the same exact thing though, where I'm like, you are you are now like it is silly how useless you are. You're like, I okay <laughs> if, if if you want to do that there's no heels ringside to start so the faces don't come down either and then the heels kind of get down there by the end of the match so the faces take some time to get down there it's not my favorite but at least i can understand the logic but when they start the entire match down at the ringside multiple weeks in a row too 
I mean, the Dark Order does it all the time. That's probably they, they literally, actually exactly they literally what I was thinking. They literally walk about. out and then they walk back. It's like, wait a minute. What are you doing? Your opponent is right there. <sighs> Silliness, um, I tell you. Why Riho didn't have her pipe, I don't know. She needed her pipe. Obviously. I hope I hope BTE has a story about that though, personally. That like it's a shame that Danhausen is hurt. Um, for many reasons, it's a shame that Danhausen is hurt. But I would love the the Danhausen story if he accidentally took the pipe. Like, I just think that'd be a funny story. Like, oops. That is absolutely um, a Dan Housen story. That's why I was thinking <laughs> it. Uh, I'm okay with, I like Jamie coming down because that clear, she's not done with him yet. So I like that there's, holy crap, when she, the, what is her, her finisher called? Uh, Ruby's finisher? Okay. No, Jamie's. Jamie oh, uh, I don't know, the haterade? <laughs> it's similar to but when she went for it and Tony Storm ducked it, the force when she like fell to a knee and hit the rope made it look awesome because it made it look like had she connected, Tony Storm would be dead. And I and uh, I just love that. Yeah. Uh also just Tony Storm in general and Jamie Hayter, but Tony Storm tonight. Respectfully. Goddamn. Oh yeah. It's most nights, I think. It is, but like the the baseball socks and the no pants. Tony Storm, dear dear Lord. Yeah. Dear Lord. But also Jamie Hader. And running her off. Jamie Hader, also, that was fun to watch her run her off. Like, they, they did a good job with that piece of it. So that brings us to the main event. Adam Cole, baby, returning to in-ring action after a nine-month hiatus. This absolutely fucking rules. I was so glad to see the reaction that he got. It was so well earned. Um, and Garcia was the perfect opponent for him. The Panama Sunrise setting up the boom finish for the win for Adam Cole here. And we see post-match, right? We see Britt Baker come down and we see Jericho appear to come get his man, likely setting up a an Adam Cole versus Jericho feud. What were your thoughts on the match? And then we'll talk about the post-match. It was a good match. I mean, I think it was a well-rustled match for Adam Cole's return. Uh, I liked the reverse out of, uh, what is it, the Panama Sunrise that Adam Cole does, where awesome. Garcia somehow got a sharpshooter out of that. Um, I just he thought just that was always look looks like he's trying to win a match. It is the most yeah. refreshing thing. Like, I, I don't know... And I'm I'm not anti Flippy Do, but my favorite is wrestlers like Garcia, like guys who look like they're trying to win a match every second that they're in a match are guys who are are for me. And also, I forgot to mention the You're a Wrestler taunt chants are my favorite. Literally every time, oh, like it's hysterical. They're amazing. With me. But I I do appreciate like and also like the reverse out of that was and I say this as a compliment was not super smooth. It looked real. Sometimes the overly smooth reversals make it look worse because it's like that's too too practiced. Whereas this one kind of looks like he slipped out of one thing, rolled into another, and then had it. Felt much more natural. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I and I really enjoyed it. I think Adam Cole looked good. I think he looked healthy and happy. I loved yes. his gear. The, the bright yellow yes. was, was killing it for me. Um, so I really enjoyed this match. I think Daniel Garcia was a perfect first opponent for him, especially with the post stuff that we see where they might be going. But 
it was just i think this was such a great return and i did you notice what commentary was talking about by the way which part we were mentioning adam cole's roh history a little bit there they did they did they did i'm very excited about the possibilities there um and also just good on commentary for continuing to talk about ROH. I think people got fatigued by the ROH titles being on television. I think it's still very smart to promote the ROH presence. That's a really good call. Um, but there's a million possibilities, man. Samoa Joe being down there with the TV title is definitely, definitely very interesting. Um, really fun stuff that you can run back with Adam Cole and ROH and my guess is he goes from Jericho to MJF. Like MJF has the four pillars match. Jericho and Adam Cole doesn't have to be dragged out. And then you maybe see Adam Cole do some fun, some fun stuff in ROH. I think that would be a really good use. Really, really good use of Adam Cole. And that also might depend on Kyle O'Reilly. You know, I, I hope that he recovers and is healthy because Kyle O'Reilly was doing such awesome work by the time, like, Right before he got injured, he had three matches in a row that were just like, holy shit, this guy is good matches. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I hope the best for Kyle O'Reilly, just regardless. I, he's a, a fantastic wrestler, and um, spinal fusion surgery sucks. So hopefully he's okay, but I would love to see him aligned with Adam Colbebe once again. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Jericho stuff. I feel like they did a better job while booked and reversed and stupid. The pacing of the feud with Starks was much better. Much better, much better, much better. And it was also, other than being booked in reverse, the peripheral stuff with Action Andretti around it, I thought was a better, like, storytelling use of Chris Jericho. Um I'm wondering if something with Adam Cole is the thing that ends up breaking up the Jericho Appreciation Society. Like, I feel like because Adam Cole made his name in the Undisputed Era and knows how groups work, he could do a really fun job of of untangling that that whole group. So we'll see what happens. What are your thoughts on Chris Jericho and Adam Cole in a feud? I actually think it makes sense for a good first return feud for for Cole. I don't again, and actually in fairness, Starks wasn't he had maybe more matches than we thought he should have because it didn't make sense that he would want to have that match with Jericho. But he didn't have what I would call a drawn out feud. It was only no, it was, it was well paced. Yeah, it, it was just in reverse because he won and then was like, "I still want Chris Jericho," and it was like, "But you beat him, bro." Yeah, <laughs> why do you need him? You just want it. Um, so I'm a, I hate my thing. I keep doing this. I I'm a big fan of. Uh, so I think it's a good first feud. Keeps it'll make them relevant. Not that it needs to be relevant, but it, it gives them a storyline. I should say with someone you know who's always going to get TV time. You know Jericho will be safe with him as he gets his feet back under him. Uh, and I'm kind of curious to see what they have to tell because it's not something I would have thought of. But like, listen, Adam Cole's going to go on the mic with Jericho, so. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really intrigued to see what an extended face Adam Cole in AEW run looks like. He's very, very likable. Um, he's a tremendous heel. He's, he's, a, he's a mini Shawn Michaels. He's running around like he has that Shawn Michaels thing, um, which I, as much of a Brett girl as I am, I love that. Like he, he, um, 
can be so cerebral in the ring as a bad guy, but he is naturally very charismatic. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with an Adam Cole face run. Um, it'll be, I think, fun. I just hope it's well-paced. I thought the pacing of the Stark feud was good. I thought it got told in reverse a little bit. But overall, that was one pay-per-view cycle, right? That's kind of a normal length for a feud as opposed to an eight-month Jericho feud. So I will take it. And that's what we went home on, right? And I thought this was a really strong episode. They seem to be back in a really, really good groove. It was a little shenanigans heavy. Like there was a lot of outside involvement in a lot of matches. The outcasts, um, Jungle Boy and Matt Hardy, right? Had a little bit of it. Uh, Butcher and Blade. It, it all, uh, most of it all made sense, but there was a lot of interjection from people. But Kenny Omega and Jeff Cobb was so special on its own that that, absolutely absolutely ruled but good stuff here and a couple of news and notes is for you not a ton but we will give you a few obviously the big one cm punk and his instagram story said he had sex with Shawn michaels on six of seven continents but before that called out the company for misrepresentations of what happened in his view around the Moxley feud after Dave Meltzer posted on a message board about their feud. Um, Punk said that he had never seen Rocky, which I think is the thing that people found most egregious about this, but essentially that um, he wasn't fully on board with the squash angle, not because he didn't fully agree with doing it, even though he didn't like it, but because he wasn't cleared at the time and he did not want to put his health on the line for another wrestling company, which I understand a little bit. Um, and Moxley didn't want to lose to him. So kind of a reversal in their perceptions of this. Uh, I think the bigger frustration here is that I think this was something that from what Mox said on Renee's podcast, that kind of leads into the next news notes about this. John Moxley was on the sessions. He briefly addressed it in a, really great interview that you should go back and listen to the full episode of um, because just the sound bites that people might be pulling, there's a, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, Mox didn't really get into it. He said that social media is kind of a bunch of bullshit that stirs up drama, but my net takeaway of this is um, this is the second time where it just feels like CM Punk might've had reasonable points and completely delivered them the wrong way which I think is pretty damning. Like, I think that it's like the, the medium is the message thing. Uh, I, I think if that's actually what happened, it's a very understandable and reasonable place to come from. I think he got frustrated by wrestling media. Um, and I think that it, it sucks that he went about it this way. Um, I don't think he's going to give an interview because I think he views wrestling media as the problem. Right. So that's just tough. That's a tough thing. It sucks that it went down. And it sounds like both of them thought this was something that was over and done with. And then Meltzer, not even dropping it in a report, but also dropping it on a, answering a question on a message board, um, kind of really set off like a, a bit of a powder keg here. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. I just think it blows. We had heard on Fightful Select that it looked like Punk might be nearing a return before this happened. Sean was working on that story well before it dropped, and now it feels like the story was obsolete uh, almost immediately, which sucks. Um, 
I would hate for an Instagram story to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, but I could completely understand that it would be the thing um, because it shows that a, the pattern of behavior hasn't changed and that blows, but it just feels like this is something that got dredged up and both Punk and Moxley were frustrated about it. And Moxley also said that AEW was like the most dramatic place he's ever worked, which I thought was kind of funny because he seems like the least dramatic guy in the world. A lot of much better things came out of it. He talked about how great Kenny and Vikingo were. He talked about how great Marina Shafir is. Um, he talked, I thought it was really encouraging to hear him talk about his sobriety. He revealed he was working there without a contract because um, after you get sober, you kind of have to go through a bit of a reevaluation process of things in your life. And he didn't want to commit to something long-term if he didn't want to be a wrestler in his sober life. And then he said, turns out actually wrestling and hanging out with my friends is pretty fucking fun. So he did want to resign, but he had the title while not working under contract. So a lot of stuff in the Moxley interviews, the sound bites that are getting dragged out are what you would expect, but I'd encourage you to listen to the full thing. I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. I think it's ridiculous that CM Punk hasn't seen the Rocky movies. And I think he went about it the wrong way, which fucking blows. Uh, but uh, any any thoughts here? This could have been cleared up between the two of them in one half of a conversation. They clearly just saw it differently. They were both dealing with their own shit at the time. And neither one of them was looking at the other person's point of view necessarily. But neither, But in fairness to Mox, he's not the one who put it out there. Right. He, he's responding, you know, his point of view being like, hey, he's saying he's injured, fair, but I also saw him hopping around bumping for the Young Bucks, so I just assumed, you know, it was kind of, it, he didn't say he assumed, but you kind of got the hint that he was kind of like, if you're out here doing it, I thought you would do it. Um, and him being like, I wasn't working for the company. I didn't even have to be there, but I was there. And just trying to make a story out of something, which I kind of understand what he's talking about, kind of being like, you never know with wrestling what's going to happen. So let me get my belt win so that I'm insured to, you know, that this Sunday, you know, he was just, he was looking out for himself and I don't, I don't necessarily falter for that. And I'm sure if he, if him and Punk had had a conversation where he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize you thought you, you were still that injured and Punk could be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were, you know, you were that without a contract. So you were looking out for you. They both be like, you know what? We've both been there. Like it just, that's my kind of my one issue with, punk and i don't know him and, and this is purely from looking at it from a complete outsider's point of view is that as a complete outsider i hear his opinion on things all the time <laughs> it said it, it said in th weird ways it's like man just have a conversation with someone like it feels like this entire thing could have been solved if everyone was just willing to sit in a room and talk it like, really my issues with feels you. like the ricky starks tweet of hey can all my coworkers just shut the fuck up for a minute like it um you know, for, and I, obviously I'm like a super punk mark, but like, it's so frustrating because from what he said when he came back, like one of the things he was most impressed about was the fact that the information about Brody Lee didn't leak. Like he was in the hospital for weeks, months. Um, nobody said a damn word and it didn't make out, out to the press. And now it feels like both punk and everybody else, like it's, it feels like it's more drama that like, it must've all just been brewing under the surface and, and bubbled over or something. Cause it, it does feel like um, well, every little I, I th thing is, is 
getting pretty blown out. I think there's also a bit of the age of the company on that. When beforehand, they were started. There was a lot of excitement. There was that new thing where they were all working together. Now it's kind of established, and you're like, all right, well, now it's back to me. And what what do I get? And the one thing Tony Khan does that, and I, I'm glad he's this way as a boss, but it's kind of kicking his ass right now. So I don't think he is as uh, angry or punitive towards tweets and stuff. So he's not telling his people like there's no it doesn't seem like there's any rules to be like you come out and say this stuff or this stuff keeps getting leaked. We're going to get you for it. Whereas I feel like at the other place, WWE, for better and worse, they tend to be like, hey, this if, if you're going to start coming out, you're it's going to be replied in kind. Like You're going to face consequences for this. Now, the downside to that is you call these guys independent contractors and then control everything they do. But the upside is you you avoid. You don't really avoid drama. You avoid these weird flare-ups of it. Their drama tends to be much more long-term. Like, well, it's it's just not as public-facing. Like, there's yeah. still plenty of it, bullshit that goes on backstage. I'm sure. But it's, like, there's there seems to come out later, like after it's over. Whereas AEW seems to be coming out while it happens. Yeah, and I think, um, I think, in general, it would. I don't. It's um, Vince McMahon, for better or worse, and I would argue usually worse, is feared. Um, Tony Khan, I think, is respected, but I don't think it, it doesn't come across that he's viewed as an authority figure enough. I don't think it's a good idea to have working talent be EVPs. I think that's just a disaster from the beginning. I feel like he should have reined that in a long time ago. We to this day don't know what Punk's backstage role was. We Tony Khan just kind of slyly slid it in there. Um, we do know that there was drama with Cody with that. Cody, in as much has said that he doesn't want a creative role again. He doesn't think he's mature enough for it, which I give him a ton of credit for and self-awareness for. Um, but it is it is just a bummer. Like it's a bummer that they were able to keep the important stuff private and tended to and the bullshit is what leaks to the news that's the one you would want you don't want to compromise someone's health or their family's like private lives but like at the same time it's like you can't squash all the little shit like um so it's it's frustrating i i don't know i i I have never had this much drama in any place i work on granted we're not an entertainment business not making this level of money but worked in a business for a long time either i've worked with people i hated we can get along we get, we get through it and i've worked with people i've had issues with and we've talked it through it just seems pretty natural to me just be a that wrestling seems wrestling be seems to be the unique sport of unique place of like if we have drama it, we're instead of and and even above sports above all other areas it seems to be the one that's like we're gonna make drama out of drama well they kick each other's ass for a living so i think but that's we need, a part we need of a it. cleanse here so i'm gonna cleanse us real quick Oh, big Brody Lee, little guy. Brody Lee, Jesus, Brody King. Brody King. Oh, little guy. Spooky little buddy. That's awesome. I also appreciated that Cody Rhodes said that the closest he's ever gotten to getting in a fist fight with uh, one of his coworkers was Seth Rollins. Cody Rhodes also said that lying is the most fun you can have with your pants on. So. I'm pretty sure he's lying, uh, but that was just a <laughs> fun thing that Cody Rhodes said in an interview. Um, 
But that's it. Kind of as far as news and notes, we covered Supercard of Honor. You can watch that, of course, on Friday. Looking very much forward to seeing that as well. Rampage is back in its normal time slot, which is also refreshing. We've got Forbidden Door on the horizon. Good shit. But feels like the, the weekly TV is back in the groove, and I love it. Ryan, tell the good people what you're doing on the uh, the old Twitter machine, would you? Tweeting. Hey! So funny. Uh, you can find me every Monday and Tuesday at um, Mark Order Pod. I'll live tweet Dark and Dark Elevation. And then the rest of the week, you can just interact with me as long as you're not a jerk. I will gladly. And if you want to talk about wrestling, non wrestling, I mean, if you want to talk Dark and Elevation, I'd be really excited for people to start engaging me about that. <laughs> just but we'll see. Yeah. What about you, Kate? Well, this week's a little different because it's WrestleMania week, so I am actually going to give my plugs a little bit of love here. But uh, tomorrow you can catch me on the ROH show. That's normally a handoff to an Impact show, but because Impact has multiverse, we will not be handing it off to them. And also, Reg is going to be out. So my usual co-host for that show is out. Mike from Indeed is in, which is pretty fun. Uh, Friday, normally I do AW Rampage and SmackDown. However, this week I'll be doing the Supercard of Honor post-show. Extremely excited about that. I'm going to be joined by Kylie, which rules. Very, very excited. Both people from Fightful Overbooked that you will be able to watch on the main channel. Saturday, I'll be doing Stand and Deliver post-show on the Fightful main channel. And then nights one and two for WrestleMania, I will be behind the paywall at Fightful Select with Alex Kowalski. Sunday, I'll also be doing... At some point, probably around noon Eastern, Joel and I will be doing Kate and Joel Call It in the Ring. It'll just be a WrestleMania preview and a recap of night one as well. And then back into it with my usual schedule. But most importantly, April 7th and 8th, I'm going to be at Excite Wrestling. And Horseheads New York on Friday and then in Johnson City on Saturday. We're also going to be doing, and this is an exclusive because I finally, I got the graphic, Ryan. All right? Just tonight. We're going to be doing a little bit of a media scrum on the 7th, and I think probably on the 8th too, but before the show, me and the ring announcer, Chris, who works for WrestleNomics, uh, we're going to be talking about wrestling media, and hopefully we'll be streaming that as well. So very excited about that. You never know what can happen at a media scrum. I think we are all very much aware of that. I'm going to have my muffins. I'm going to have my spin drift. Gotta bury Mike Skyros because he's a punk ass bitch. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good time. So that's where you can check me. You can also find me at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter. You can catch Ryan on Twitter at Mark Order Pod. And you can get, of course, everything else you need in our link tree on all of our social medias, prowrestlingtees.com backslash Mark Order Pod to buy t shirts, request them stickers as well in the link tree. Thank you so much. This was a really fun show, guys. All right, so hold on. I'm not wait, I'm Jesse not Ozog. It runs at the Arnott Mall, just so you know. It runs in what used to be a Sears. You know, Horseheads, New York. Damn, deep cut. The deep cut. All right, people. I, I figured it out. Goodbye and good night.
this concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.